Greg and Dax love football. We know you do too. So grab a cold one and listen. Escape with us for a few. And welcome to the Greg and Dax Fantasy Podcast. I'm Dax. And I'm Greg. Hey, everybody. Welcome in. Thanks for uh, joining us this week. It was a pretty good week and a week uh, weekend of games, I would say. Would you say the same, Dax? Or I, mean, I know there was a couple that we picked that were just incredible, like the Chargers and the Browns, but overall, pretty good slate. Yeah, yeah. Even the uh, the Monday night game, I I had anticipated that would would not be entertaining, be a snooze fest, uh, just because of the records and the Ravens struggling uh, and the Colts having Carson Wentz back there. But it turned into an excellent game, really fun one to watch. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, we could start right there if we want to kind of get into it right away and talk about the Colts or should I say your Colts, uh, your Jonathan Taylor and his band of misfits. Um, But yeah, they they put a game together. You know, it it was still it was kind of tough to watch and tough to see it through, but it was fun. It was they showed they showed up um, and the Ravens aren't, you know, I don't I wouldn't say the Ravens are your a good defense, but I wouldn't say they're bad either. I'd say they're, you know, just your classic, your average defense, especially in lieu of a lot of the injuries they've had on that side of the ball. But surprisingly, Carson Wentz took advantage. He threw for 400 yards, which I didn't think he was allowed to do anymore. <laughs> I didn't think that was in his range of <laughs> outcomes, you know? So I was shocked that he yeah. showed up and played well. And I was also shocked that Jonathan Taylor, uh, as much as I love him and I've been talking to him about him, I didn't think this would be his, you know, big blow up coming out party, but sure enough, it was, uh, you know, 75 yard touchdown. He had a hundred yards receiving. He had, uh, something like 50, 60 yards on the ground and a touchdown. So yeah, he, it was he all had working over- for him yesterday. Yeah. He looked great. And that offensive line, and we've talked about this on the pod, how offensive lines aren't necessarily bad. They just need to stay healthy and learn some cohesion. So <laughs> And that offensive line has a ton of talent on it. So it could be that that we're finally starting to see, you know, we're five weeks into the season. uh, Finally, they're getting there. And I think we're seeing that with a lot of guys turning the corner now and showing up that weren't there. I think you still have a lot of your, you know, blast offs that haven't fallen off like Mike Williams and Debo Samuel. But it is nice to see some of the guys that we put our stake in the ground earlier coming along and finally putting those, you know, stringing those weeks together, like Zeke right now is an RB1. Uh, Jonathan Taylor, you finally showing up. So it's it's nice to see these guys actually playing and meeting expectations. Absolutely. And and the encouraging thing with Jonathan Taylor, right, that uh, the knock always against him was usage. And, and, you know, the assumption of rational coaching and the assumption that, hey, this coach is going to see this alien of a human being at running back and say, Hey, I'm going to give him 20 carries a game and, you know, give him 10 targets a game or whatever we want from him. And that didn't happen for Jonathan Taylor. Um, but it's, it's starting to transition in that way, right? Where he, he's never going to have a hundred percent of snaps. He's not Najee Harris, right? But, um, <laughs> and, and that's not going great for Najee. Hopefully he stays healthy, but, um, you know, Naheem is always going to have a factor. Marlon Mack shows up for a couple carries a game, but if they keep using Jonathan Taylor in the role he's in, which is a playmaker, you know, they're designing screens for him. They're setting him up on uh, plays to the outside and not just using him as a banger. That's where this fantasy production is going to come from. And it looked really good against the Ravens. 
and I think that's been a problem with them for so long. It's just the way they were using him. You started to see it over the last eight weeks. He can do it all. And he's your best player on offense by a wide margin, by a wide margin. So in terms of at least playmakers, you know, Quinn Nelson, as good as he is, he's been hurt and he's a lineman. But as far as performance. Michael Pittman's coming along though. He looked, did you see that catch? I'm assuming you saw that catch as we all did. And was just like, all right, Michael Pittman, you might be a grown man out there. Um, He's a rest of season by for me, for sure. For sure. I want Michael Pittman. I think that offense isn't good and needs all the help they can get. And if they're starting to get him 10, you know, somewhere between seven and 10 targets a game, with his catch radius and the way he plays bully ball and the way Carson Wentz really needs a guy like that. Like there is some very real potential for him to finish in the top 24. Yeah. And, and as we've talked about, there's, there's a little bit of a Bible narrative going on between Pittman and Carson Wentz. They uh, go to Bible study together. You guys can, you know, Google it, go on Wikipedia, read all about that conspiracy theory. I'm Um, a big fan of Bible study myself. Um, I do read the scriptures um, Austin and 216 you... in particular. <laughs> Big fan of that. It's my favorite. There you go. Um, but on the other side of the ball, you know, the the Ravens were no slouch. And and we really got to see kind of the the best case scenario for that offense. You had Lamar Jackson just absolutely doing his thing, looking like a beast out there. Marquise Brown, uh, who I think a switch has flipped for people. And now everyone has woken up and said, oh, actually, maybe we can count on him as a fantasy productive <laughs> wide receiver. But he's been doing it for a while. And then also Mark Andrews showed up in the game last week or last night. And if uh, if you were going against any of them on a Monday night fantasy matchup saying, hey, I'm up by 35 points or whatever, um, it, that it was a bad night for you. So, yeah, I was down, I think, like something like 40 points and i had um i had jonathan taylor and i forget who else because just injuries that sort of derailed my and i ended up winning and it's that fan tracks league where we're a we, we need to finish above the league average too that also counts towards our record and it pulled yeah. me back to 500 just just jonathan taylor going beast mode so that was huge antonio gibson also finally getting in the end zone was another real you know nice surprise especially in lieu of his shin injury yeah. <laughs> but I mean, I, let's talk about Marquise Brown for a second, right? So obviously wide receiver for the Ravens. He's wide receiver six right now in in half PPR scoring, which is kind of the, the, the standard out there right now. And I, I guess the question I have is, is I think we all do is, hey, is he someone that we can actually look at as wide receiver six and say, hey, you're, you're most likely <laughs> going to finish as a top 10, top 15 wide receiver or kind of the side I think I fall on is I look at him as a wide receiver six and I look at what's possible in this offense, but then I also look at who's waiting in the wings. And that's my boy Rashad Bateman, who we know is a baller and we know can ball out. Granted, he's a rookie, but I I guess the question I have for you is what are you doing with Marquise Brown right now? Are you thinking he's going to maybe not be wide receiver six, maybe top 15, or do you think once Bateman comes in, it's really going to cut into that production? Yeah, I think that Lamar has one option right now. It's Marquise Brown, and it's um, Mark Andrews. Yeah, you know, and it's, and and uh, yes, Mark Andrews showed up, and he's always been his favorite target. So I guess I I never really put him in the uh, in the picture, especially at tight end. I'm thinking I don't I don't think Marquise Brown loses any target share to Mark Andrews. It's Marquise Brown losing that target share, like you had said, to Rashad Bateman. Right. So when and and when Bateman comes back. 
I think it's going to be a slow work in. He's going to need time. He's a rookie. The, the, I think the the world of him, I think he has a ton of talent. That being said, he's still a rookie who's missed. A t- like there are very few opportunities and chance or very few times, I should say in fantasy football in the NFL where a rookie misses, you know, the first six, seven, eight weeks of the season and then shows out. It's very rare. They typically need the, at least the first month to get going, to get back into conditioning. Right. Because he was, he did suffer a leg injury. So right. I, I'm not concerned about Bateman this season. I'm not concerned about Bateman eating into Marquise Brown's workload or his fantasy production. Will there be fewer targets? Possibly, but I can't imagine that it's going to be anything severe. If anything, I I envision it'll just be more pass attempts as opposed to you know as opposed to just the share of the share uh, going away. The mar- you know this the, yeah. the target share going away. So I'm all in on Marquise Brown in the sense of if anyone thinks this is a fluke, I'm buying him. Right. Um, if I can get. That being said, if I can get a first rounder for him, I'm selling him. Yeah, in Dynasty, right? That makes sense. And I and I think as you talked it out, a couple of things are are pretty clear there. Yes, you know, Bateman's a rookie, so there's gonna be a slow kind of introductory period for him. But I also I think there's a difference in Rashad Bateman targets and Marquise Brown targets, right? Like Marquise Brown is not someone that has his production. He's not Deontay Johnson, for instance. He's not someone that relies on 10 plus targets a game to be productive. He's someone that could get four targets a game. If all four of those targets hit, he has 150 yards and a touchdown. Right. And so I, I I think there's some, I don't know if you even want to call it four, but there, there's some uh, insurance uh, built into that position as uh, Rashad Bateman comes back onto the, uh, the kind of the target plate, if you will. Um. Yeah, the, the other thing I'll touch on, and we can put Marquise Brown to, to bed here, um, is he's been doing this for a while. And I mentioned up front that you know some people maybe have just kind of realized that, hey, he has been. But over the last 23 games, which is 2020 uh, through where we're at right now, through week five of 2021, um, the first 10 of those games, he was about 8.7 fantasy points a game, which is fine. It's not startable, It's but he's at least he's out there. He's exercising. <laughs> That's ba- that's basically um, what it is. Yeah, he's right. out there running. But the last 13 games, so including the playoffs, um, 17.8 fantasy points per game. So doubled that pretty much. And and what I just spoke about, he's had 80-plus yards and or a touchdown in 12 of the 13 games uh, that he's been averaging those 17.8 fantasy points per game. So uh, that's just a way of saying Bateman is coming. Uh, if he's out there in the near leagues, please pick him up. I think he's a, a very good talent, and I think I'd love to see what Lamar can do with him, but I don't think that's necessarily going to take Marquise Brown out of the picture at all. Now, and I think it's worth actually talking for a second Maybe we're you're about to transition to this about Lamar Jackson, the guy sure. that's supplying it. Marquise Brown with the with the the scoring and the, the opportunities. The guy had last night five. There were five hundred forty four yards on offense. He had five hundred and four of them. Jesus, what, name a quarterback that can do that. That isn't Patrick Mahomes. There isn't. There isn't a quarterback in the NFL right now as good as Justin Herbert is, as good as Tom Brady is. There isn't a quarterback today who can own the the yardage and own the offense that way. There just right. isn't. 
Uh, and so that, when you talk about, it's funny, like we talk about Lamar as a floor play because of the rushing. I mean, he's a ceiling play because of what he can do. <laughs> like it, the truth is he's actually a ceiling play. He's not a floor play. Um, the the floor is caked in, fortunately, with the running. But the fact of the matter is the guy clearly lacks a, a, an adequate rusher given their role in Devontae Freeman and the ghost of, you know, the skeleton Lat- Latavius Murray out there. Uh, Tyson Williams is a healthy scratch. So th- the offense is running through him in every facet, and there isn't a player alive that you can say that about. No, I mean, you you – nailed it right like if we look at what is the best possible scenario for an average not an average quarterback but an average quarterback in the way that they're used in offense that's tom brady this week 400 yards five touchdowns couldn't have a better performance as a quarterback lamar jackson outscored him by seven points you know (laughs) like it wasn't even close and so um I, i think you're absolutely right that the ceilings that he can reach are absolutely stratospheric and uh and should be viewed as such. Um, he's, someone... he's my he's my QB three in dynasty, right? And it's and I and I put him ahead of Kyler right now. I and have I have Mahomes. how old is he? He's like twenty five. Yeah, yeah. Yikes. And I have and, and again twenty four. He's twenty four. Okay, even younger. So I have it. Mahomes. I have it. Herbert. I have it. Lamar. I have it. Kyler. And and to be fair, I would flip a coin around Kyler and Lamar, and that's fine. Like whatever your preferences, I totally get it uh, because they, 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 to me, they pose the same, the same thing, right? They both pose that upside. The only difference is I think there's a better supporting cast in, in Arizona, which means there's a stronger likelihood they'll offload some of the work and, you know, let these playmakers do more. Uh, so, so th- at least this season. So yeah. that's how I view it. And if, someone is trying to sell Lamar in a dynasty because they think this is, you know, anomaly or a fluke by him. I think that is exactly what you'll see. And what might start happening is people are like, Oh, I got to capitalize and cash out on Lamar. And to those people, I say, you're a fool. You are a fool. Right. He is going, he, he is a top four quarterback, no matter how you cut it in dynasty. Yeah. And, and it does kind of feel like we're getting out of that buying window on Lamar, right? Like I feel like people, I don't know if you felt this as someone that has a Lamar on some teams, but it, it, there was kind of a lull where, where people thought like, ah, oh, man, has he done his best, you know, and, and now it's all downhill from here. Um, if any of your league mates are still thinking that way, I, yeah, absolutely. Send some offers over, see what you can get. Um, someone who, who also might be in that uh, kind of buy or sell window it, that I want to talk about is uh wide receiver for the Buffalo Bills, Stefan Diggs. Um, you know, Stefan Diggs, he was a, a first round pick in, in redraft this year. Um, he was towards the top of, of any dynasty list of wide receivers. Um, but he's currently sitting at wide receiver 28 on the season. Um, and, and we saw the bills offense look really, really good. And Stefan Diggs had two catches, you know, granted one of them was, you know, whatever it was 60 yards and that was great. But do we think Stefan Diggs is ever going to get back to what he was producing last year? Uh, and do we think that he can be a Devonte Adams type wide receiver fantasy asset or, or do we think he'll have good weeks and most of his weeks he'll be hovering around those eight to 12 points? Um, uh, what are you doing with Stefan? Do you have him anywhere? Uh, I don't, I don't have him anywhere. I would buy him. I would have no problem buying him if someone was selling him because I think this is a classic case of regression to the mean. I think you look at his body of work, 
what he did as soon as he got there. You're probably just seeing a strategic move to spread the ball around and take take double coverage and take coverage away from him. And mm-hmm. if that's the case, and I think that is exactly what it is, that's fine. And they're a good offense. They're not good. That offense isn't going to stop scoring. That offense isn't going to keep isn't going to stop producing suddenly. So if I can get a hold of their wide receiver one and hope that there's regression to the mean of what he's, he's typically doing. I mean, yeah, he's wide receiver 28 now, but this is a classic case of why I don't make moves very early in the season is because of Jonathan Taylor and because of Ezekiel Elliott and Clyde Edwards Hilaire. And because I, I have these guys and I won't move them because just because they had a slow start. I think that he's wide receiver 28. Now who's to say he doesn't finish his wide receiver five from week eight to 17. Right. Right. No, you're right. The talent is there. Right. And that's, that's what you kind of do on some of these things. And, and I'm feeling a very similar way with Elijah Moore, right? Like we know the talent is there. You can look at things that may not necessarily be fantasy points and contributing to your fantasy scores and say, Hey, that's all positive. But at the end of the day, you know, when Sunday night comes around and you log on and you see, you know, eight points from Stefan Diggs or uh, negative two or whatever Elijah Moore put up, it doesn't make you feel good. Um, but it, I, I think the talent is absolutely there. Um, and then maybe just because I brought him up, Elijah Moore, real quick, something I wanted to just share was again, you know, fantasy scores aren't there. Don't do not be starting Elijah Moore. If you're in redraft, I would not be surprised if, if you've dropped Elijah Moore. I certainly have. Um, but pro football focus was looking at, you know, the, the, the all 22 tape and he's open on 83% of his routes, which leads all rookie wide receivers, um, including rookie wide, wide receivers that were drafted in front of Elijah Moore and rookie wide receivers that are on a historic pace, like a Jamar chase. And so once Zach Wilson figures out how to throw the ball downfield and the Jets offensive line figures out that they should be blocking players on the other team. Uh, maybe then we can see Elijah Moore produce a little bit. Um, but I view him similar to Stephon Diggs as someone that you just kind of grin and bear it through some of these tough days. Yeah. Yeah. Elijah Moore is an interesting case because that offense isn't good. And it's a rookie quarterback behind a bad offensive line and a bad defense. Right. And a, and, and a coach who I don't think fits that what they need to do very well and a new head coach like he's not some offensive mastermind either so i'm i'm not buying elijah Moore this year i just don't think it's gonna happen for him um, yeah especially it, it, it would have happened I it would have happened i, I yeah. think and, and and also and not to say i, I don't wouldn't want him in a dynasty league 100 percent. but the other problem is and you have to look at it from Jamison Crowder came back and he had nine targets and then six targets and he's getting, he's getting the targets that and around, you know, and that are easier throws. He's not going downfield. He's not, he's running closer to that line of scrimmage, getting, you know, getting closer to, to the, to Zach Wilson, the line of scrimmage means it's easier throws. And, you know, mm-hmm. that's the safety blanket. He's a vet and he's, you know, he probably has the ability to, get in Zach Wilson's ear and, and definitely push on that offense. Like with a bunch of young rookie inexperienced rookies, why wouldn't you especially give a safety blanket to a guy who's been running for his life all season? So my problem is also that Jamison Crowder's there and there's clearly 
an indication already that he is he is going to be playing in that slot predominant slot role. He is going to be working close to the line of scrimmage. And if that's the case, it's gonna hurt Elijah more because you're gonna to have to rely on deep balls that just aren't there and that they don't really have enough time to develop those routes. Right. No, totally. It's it's an offense that's gonna be built around the three step drop, right? And and yep. how fast can you it doesn't matter if Elijah Moore is open on eighty three percent of his deep routes if you know, we're not throwing any deep routes, guys. So um, it, 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 it definitely sucks and it handicaps kind of his development early in his career, but, um, I'm a believer in the player and same with Stefan Diggs, bring it all back together. Um, some other things that maybe we want to touch on just kind of we're through five weeks of the season, right? And so we've got a good, good sample, uh, for, you know, who these players are right now and, and what they could possibly do. And so, I, I was looking at the the rankings and there's some players that are close by together. And I just wanted to get your opinion on kind of who are you taking rest of season here? Because there's some surprises, either people that are a little bit lower than we thought they would be, or people that are a little bit higher than we thought they'd be. And so the first involves uh, two running backs, one of which we already talked about, right? So Jonathan Taylor, he's currently RB 10. And again, this is half point per reception. So 0.5 PPR. Um, and DeAndre Swift, DeAndre Swift is RB 11. So Jonathan Taylor, RB 10, Swift, RB 11. I was really surprised that Swift was that high, honestly. You know, <laughs> I, I, I had him on one of my team. I don't pay too close of attention, but he just watching the lions play football. I was very surprised that he's been able to produce that hot that much. And watching Jonathan Taylor, I was shocked. He was RB 10. I thought he'd be closer to top five. And so who are you taking rest of season? You know, do you think Swift is going to continue, you know, scoring? Do you think Jonathan Taylor is only going to go up from here? Where are you taking? I mean, I would take them both. I, 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 honestly, <laughs> not I, I, I mean, if it's picking one, I'm picking Jonathan Taylor just because I, I do think the talent is, is greater there. And if you're asking me who's better Naheem Hines or Jamal Williams, it's Jamal Williams. That being said, I, I I can see the argument for DeAndre Swift with all the catches and the high floor. Uh, it's just the scoring opportunities. I mean, I think they're both bad offenses, but I think the offensive line is much better. I think Michael Pittman is a quality wide receiver. You're seeing come into his own. Paris Campbell, Zach Pascal, for whatever reason, still playing and still producing. I don't know how. Uh, so I, I think there, there are some pieces in Indianapolis that are – better suited than Detroit. And I, I mean, I look at golf and, and Wentz pretty much in the same bucket. So, you know, I, the talent to me allows for Jonathan Taylor, a talent around him allows me to go with Jonathan Taylor. He catches the ball too. There's really just nothing to like the goal line work is all Jonathan Taylor. So right. rest of season, it's Jonathan Taylor. The ceiling's higher. If I'm trying to win a championship, I, I want this. I want the ceiling, and I want the better player. So I'm going to go with Jonathan Taylor easily. Yeah, yeah, and and I think what you said earlier about the Colts' offensive line getting that cohesion, getting that familiarity with each other, is really going to impact them. And Detroit is going the opposite way. Uh, just today, Frank Ragnow is out for the rest of the season uh, with toe surgery. Um, you know, Taylor Decker is coming back, but you're also taking Panay Sewell, who's played very, very well at left tackle, moving him to right tackle, and so there's shuffling happening on Detroit offensive line, and I don't know if that's going to be a productive thing for Swift. So I'm probably with you. Um, another one it also involves running backs. Uh, it's it's our RB13, uh, Joe Mixon, uh, versus our RB14, uh, Darrell Henderson. And 
<laughs> I'm with you, man. Like Joe Mixon, the Joe Mixon, I have on, I have on a good handful of teams. I've enjoyed having him on a handful of teams because of the utilization. He's playing so many snaps. He's out there on passing downs. He gets receptions, but some of these box scores, man, like, ah, oh, it's just like, you know, 18 carries for 60 yards. And you're like, Joe, what are you doing to me? Um, and then on the other side of it, you have Darrell Henderson, who is kind of, you know, being a very, very productive running back in a very, very productive offense. And yeah, there is Sony Michelle there, but there's enough on that plate where both can be productive. And we've seen that so far. And I think Darrell Henderson is going to continue to excel as this offense really hits its stride and they go into the stratosphere. I'm a big believer in the Rams offense. So well, I'd probably go Henderson it? over Mixon. You're going to go Henderson or Mixon. So here's what's interesting. So both pers- this this also becomes really tough when you think about the offenses and the percentage of touchdowns that are coming from from passing. And it's 78.6% for Cincinnati and the Rams 75%. That, oh, wow. That's absurd to me. Yeah. Um, I mean, those numbers are very high. I mean, you, granted, you have Minnesota at 91% and Kansas City at 84 So you know there are there are teams that are higher uh and passing more to score than ever which is to- totally makes sense but it becomes very difficult when you can't pre- predict touch rushing upside for these running backs so i think you're right i can't believe i'm saying this i think it's tough right it is re- this one's really hard but i think i'm going to go Darrell Henderson uh because he he's I, I think it's a better offense with a more experienced QB with a better coach. And I look at I look at the struggles of the offensive line they've had. I look at the offense that they're running with Joe Burrow. You know, it, if it hasn't happened for Mixon already, I'm, t- I'm it's time to say it's not going to happen. Whereas at least with Darrell Henderson, you don't know what you're going to get, and they're close enough through five weeks where I can lean towards Henderson and, and say, you know, at least I took a shot at, at a guy with some more upside uh, in, in what I think is a better offense, despite being high on Cincinnati. We were high on both those offenses coming in. So. Totally. Yeah. And and they both are, are really kind of living up to what our expectations were. The, the tough thing with both Mixon and Henderson is there's also health concerns on both sides, right? Like Henderson's made a glass. We, we've seen it. We saw it already this year. He's missed a game. Um, yep. Mixon is banged up right now. Granted, he played and he scored a touchdown. Uh, it was great to have him on my bench as he did it, but um, I, I just I hate seeing him get all these carries and not putting up any any production. It's gross. He is someone who has burned us enough in the past with injuries and poor production and a tough go of the offensive line and not catch, frankly, not catching the ball enough for supposedly having the skill set to do it. I mean, if I think about pass, like no one thought Jonathan Taylor was a pass catcher coming out, but he get he's, he's catching the ball plenty. Joe Mixon, everyone thought was the next coming of Marshall Falk. And he's not getting as many receptions as people like Leonard Fournette has more receptions than him uh. per game. And, it's just becoming abundantly clear that for whatever reason, Joe Mixon isn't going to be the star we thought he would be. And at least with Darrell Henderson, again, all things equal. If, if their talent is closer than we perceive and their fantasy output is closer than we perceive, 
the tie goes to the better offense and that's what i'm taking yeah and it like if henderson gets that 75 percent of that whatever 2017 todd Gurley year whatever year he would just want absolutely nuclear that that's what you want and that's what i think mm-hmm. is possible for henderson there and i mean this is interesting we're talking about this because perception wise if anyone had joe mixon i have him in one league it's a dynasty too if someone that's why i won't do this deal but in a redraft if someone came to me and proposed just on paper, like oh, Joe Mixon for Darrell Henderson, I, right. I I would smash it, but I don't think a lot of people would. I think the perception is Joe Mixon just because of the name value. Right, exactly. I think that's what I'm doing on a lot of my teams is I'm looking at who are who are my brand names, right? And so there's some teams I have Stephon Diggs, and there's some teams I have Joe Mixon. Um, just yet, I still have Julio Jones, Antonio Brown. All those guys are brand names, and some are performing, some aren't, you know, but that brand name has maybe one or two positions higher on the rankings in people's heads than they should. And I think that's true with Joe Mixon and you could possibly, you know, swing a deal, get Darrell Henderson and a wide receiver or a tight end or something like that. <laughs> um, another kind of rest of season question. Maybe we'll do two more here. So this is tight end, right? And so, uh, in this, we have uh, your favorite guy, TJ Hawkinson, right? So TJ has kind of done a little bit of a, of a Houdini show on us. He's uh, started out real hot. He scored, I think, whatever, like 18 points week one, close to 20 points week two. And then it's been you know, barely even five points these last couple of weeks. And so he's currently sitting as tight end seven, which is not great because once you get past those first two tight ends, it's a real cliff. So he's tight end seven, so it sounds better than it is. And right below him is Kyle Pitts, uh, tight end eight. And we just saw Kyle Pitts really get unleashed in London. You know, no Calvin Ridley in the offense, and he was dominant. And he looked really, really good. He looked like what we all thought he could be. And so I guess, you know, rest of season, your boy TJ or Kyle Pitts, who's kind of one spot below him on the rankings right now. Uh that's yeah, hard. Right? These That's all hard. suck. <laughs> they all, I know. Yeah. I, I, I think I'm going to lean TJ Hawkinson. And the reason being there, Calvin Ridley was hurt last week and Kyle Pitts saw 10 targets. And so yeah. that absolutely played into it. Whereas TJ Hawkinson, they just lost Quintus Cephas for the season. Tyrell Williams is, just coming back to work with a brand new quarterback and yet another offense. You have um, uh, uh, Amon Ra St. Brown, who's a rookie. and Who's, you have, who's starting to come out, man, two, two weeks in a row. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but you also have Khalif Raymond yeah. there. And they're just, again, there really aren't a lot of guys in the red zone to go to. And I think it's just a matter of time before the touchdowns start coming back. Like last week, he had last week he had five targets or excuse me, three targets. And the week before last he had eight, but the week before that he had two. So his two big weeks, he had 11 and nine. And it's really just a matter of getting targets. Seemingly all the games that he's producing, he's just getting, you know, more than two goddamn targets. So (laughs) I think whereas Kyle Pitts is 
trending to perhaps play more. I don't necessarily see that translating to more targets once Calvin Ridley comes back, whereas TJ Hawkinson, everyone around them is dropping like flies. And if they want to score, they're probably going to have to rely on TJ Hawkinson in the red zone. So I think it's going to lean again more TJ Hawkinson. Um, but I can see the argument being made for Pitts, especially with Ragnow out like in Detroit. It may lead for them having more more inline calls for TJ Hawkinson to block. I didn't look at that stat, but that's something that would be really interesting to see if they're just keeping him in as a blocker, hence the lower target share. And it could just be week to week in game plan. Uh, But as of now, uh, without me looking into that, because that would probably change my perception without me knowing that if that's the case, I'm going to go, I'm going to go TJ Hawkinson because I think the, the based on what knowledge I have now, I think the trend for more targets is in his favor. Yeah, no, it's a tough one. It is, you know, as much as I'm a believer in Hawkinson, I'm also, you know, watching what this Lions offense looks like on a week in, week out basis. Um, (laughs) Part of me likes Kyle Pitts, mainly because of the uh, alignment they've been using him in. Uh, Kyle Pitts, I, I think on Sunday, it was in the single digit snaps that he was in line. He's out wide. He's in the slot. They're using him like a wide receiver. And I think if they continue to do that big body, get him on the slants, get him on, you know, post stuff like that. Um, we're going to continue to see this level of production where I think Hawkinson, like you said, may be used more in line as a blocker or just may not be the focal point of the offense. If they're trying to get these quick hits to the running backs, like a Deandre Swift or to wide receivers, like you mentioned with, uh, Amon Ra and Tyrell. So I agree with you. I think your logic is sound. I don't know exactly how they're using, uh, Hawkinson, but if that were the case, I, I think I'd sit in your camp as well. I, off what I do know, I'm leaning Hawkinson. Yeah, yeah. And there's probably some good routes run data out there that we could dive a little bit deeper onto that and just see kind of what the story is with him. But yeah, it's a tough one. Um, another kind of tight end I just want to mention as we're talking about them. So, you know, Dawson Knox is continuing to do really, really well. Um, he's currently tight end three and, and he's a baller. Um, but just a, a word of warning with it is his production is, is purely based on scoring touchdowns. Um, and he, which he's done at an incredible rate and is really, really good at. And so he scored a touchdown in nine of his last 14 games. Um, however, this past weekend when he scored 118 yards or whatever he, he put up was only the second time he had hit 50 yards or greater in those games. And so he is very dependent on scoring those touchdowns, which as we know with tight end, it, it comes and goes. And so that's just my way of saying, enjoy Dawson Knox. He's doing great. He's free money for most of us. Um, but don't expect him to perform like a Darren Waller, like a Travis Kelsey, like a Mark Andrews. Um, there are going to be weeks of, you know, three and a half points, you know, so. Yeah. But, but, I mean, think about Bobby Tunyon and his disappearing exactly. act this year. Uh, it's t- when, the, when you're, Fantasy production is that tied so heavily to to touchdowns and grant and again they're both in good pass heavy offenses so it can easily I mean it's proof that it can easily disappear it can yeah. easily go away uh, and this year it's a, a prime example of how that looks especially at the tight end position yeah so and, and a, another guy that's an interesting one that if you're kind of looking for a tight end most likely in a redraft league but even in dynasties he's probably out there. Uh, Ricky Seals Jones showed up for the Washington football team and looked good, man. Like he, he looked 
to fill that Logan Thomas hole. You know, they're, they're going to be without Logan Thomas for a handful of weeks here. And Ricky Seals Jones, they used him in the exact same way. He performed the exact same way. He's a big bodied wide receiver. He's going to get those end zone looks. And so if I'm scrambling at tight end, uh, that that's who I'm probably looking at as a streamer for a little bit. Which are most of us. Um, not, not me. I'm, I'm keen to reach on TJ Hawkinson who gets three targets. So, <laughs> um, no, I still believe in, in TJ, but yeah, I, Ricky Seals Jones is someone who had a lot of promise and an amazing athletic profile. He was someone who off the charts athleticism, he had opportunities in, I believe Kansas city is where he was, um, and Cleveland. Um, so, if I remember correctly, but Ricky Seals Jones is someone who has, has had the pedigree and we know that tight ends take a while. Look, look at all the elite tight ends in the NFL right now and how long they took to get there. Travis Kelsey wasn't good his rookie year. He wasn't good the second year. He wasn't good the third year. Um, uh, Darren Waller, you have, um, Mark Andrews is a bit of an anomaly, but you know, it does take, and we know this like Greg Olson, it, it takes these tight ends historically a bit of time and Ricky right. Seals Jones, he's a second, you know, second, third, fourth contract year, tight end, <laughs> however you want to put it at this point, but the opportunity without question, uh, has arrived for him. And Logan Thomas was eating and getting a ton of targets. So there, the game plan there is clearly to incorporate him. Yeah, I mean, here are the metrics. Ricky Seals-Jones this past weekend, 99% of snaps. He had eight targets. He ran 42 routes. That is amazing utilization. You know, eat it up. Um, Cool. Um, And then maybe the final kind of rest of season, uh, I don't know how serious this one is, but it was something I was surprised to see, um, is that quarterback. And so our our patron saint of quarterback, Justin Fields, he he's looked fine. He he's won games. Uh, he's looked like a terrible fantasy asset, which is absolutely surprising to me. And so right now, Davis Mills, quarterback of Houston <laughs> Texans, is outscoring Justin Fields in fantasy by a good margin, who, by a good handful. Who, who we shit all over at the beginning of the year. <laughs> and so I guess uh, the question I have for you is: rest of the season, do you want Davis Mills or Justin Fields? I mean, the rest of my life, I want Justin Fields. <laughs> uh, um, listen, if you watch the games, and again, the eye test, who it is what it is. But fantasy points don't matter either in the long in the long run for for a lot of us as t- talent rides out. But Daniel Jones isn't a good quarterback. Daniel Jones scores fantasy points. Davis Mills isn't a good quarterback. He's clearly been productive enough to score fantasy points. What I had warned and what I had said is don't. Own or don't play, don't count on playing Justin Fields this year. I know a lot of people, their strategy was okay, it's a two QB league. Here's what we're going to do this year we're going to draft a stud and then wait, 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 and we're going to take Trey Lance or Justin Fields, and that's our strategy, and that's going to be our guy. And I did that zero places. I did Uh, that twice, (laughs) two places. (laughs) Because these, like, I, these guys need time, and not only do they need time, but the offenses they went to they weren't going to Andy Reid they were going to fucking Matt Nagy they were going to um you know Trey Lance I actually like because he ends up in a good offense but even then Jimmy Garoppolo was never lighting up the the fantasy scoreboards and there's they run they run a lot it's very heavy run game so while I do think that Trey Lance is like a safe play 
Davis Mills is in a position where, well, no, he's not very good. He also doesn't have the defense that Justin Fields has where the strategy is to just not fucking lose the game on offense. Mm-hmm. Uh, in, in Houston, they don't have it. If they want to win, if they want to play, that they have no choice but to pass the ball because that defense is not going to stop anyone. So he has to pass the ball. There has to be more opportunity there just given. So, uh, I mean, yeah, rest of season. I don't know if Tarad's coming back uh, anytime soon, but shit, if it's Davis Mills for the next 14 weeks or, or how many or ever many, you know, the next 13 weeks or um, Justin Fields, I, I'm happy to take Davis Mills. That being wow. said, in a yeah. dynasty, there's no way I'm going. There's, <laughs> there's no way. There's, I mean, you no. Know, there's Justin Fields is my QB one in dynasty. I think Matt, as soon as Matt Nagy is gone, um, or Justin Fields rather of this class, I should say. Uh, let me rephrase that. Of I was going to say, but of this move. class, yeah, yeah. Not one in my heart, but of this class, he, I think he's the best, and you'll see it, and you see it now. You see the way he's making plays, and they just when they get to the goal line, they run the ball. They've been very efficient. Doesn't matter who's been back there running the ball. Bill Lazor's doing what they have to do to win games, which is keep the ball, run the clock, rely on their defense that has played much better recently. Um, They're not going to beat any good teams, but the bears know how to win against the bad teams. And they're clearly doing, they're sticking to that game plan of very, being very run heavy and a Rob and Darnell Mooney get, unless you're like really at shit out of luck and want a flyer, Darnell Mooney is the guy to own there with Justin Fields back there. It just you, you don't want either. You, 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 just, you don't want either. Yeah, I'm just amazed to see what whether it's Nagy or Laser, whoever the game plans they've got for Justin Fields is exactly that. It, it's it's like they're dealing with I don't even know who. Like it, it, it's like if they had a you know Jacoby Brissett or someone back there, like someone they didn't trust. This is a top ten NFL draft pick, and they handcuff him to you know, throw the ball, whatever it is, 17 times to never run the ball and just <laughs> hand it off the entire game. And I just don't get it. And so, yeah, I, I, unless something drastically changes, I don't want Justin Fields. I don't want any Bears pass catchers because there's such a small pie. There's only going to be 17 passes. Great. You caught two of those, but I'd much rather have you be on a team that pa- throws it 40 times, you know? Um, so it it it's a tough... <laughs> It's a tough environment for Justin to perform in, but I am a big believer in the talent. Uh, same. As I mean, he, I mean, here you go. Here yards from scrimmage differential per game versus opponent. Chicago minus ninety one point eight. There, that's Houston's there too at minus one hundred nine point two. But um, how about uh, let's see what's the other one here? A percent of offensive touchdown to come via passing. League rate is sixty two point seven. We talked about that before. Houston is pretty middling actually. But dead last is Chicago at twenty five percent. Dead Dude. last. So he, here, here's in that same vein, right? So from our boy JJ Zacharyson, uh, Devontae Adams targets over the last three weeks. He's had forty five targets. Chicago Bears, the entire team targets over the last three weeks, fifty seven. Yeah, I mean it makes sense <laughs> because they know how they can win games, and it's not going to be passing the ball. Uh, they need, they need to play like it's, you know, 1996 again. It's the only yeah. way they can win. Monsters in the midway. Yeah. They're just, they they don't trust fields. Clearly bill laser is winning games yeah. by doing this. And Matt Nagy's a joke. So <laughs> the bottom line is they're going to win games and they, and that's their intent. 
because they don't have their first round pick. So they're always going to be playing to win. They got to run the ball and Justin Fields isn't. And that's the other thing is Justin Fields not even running the ball. They're not even letting him that's, run the ball. That's what they're not even running me. options. So, um, so I was in an interesting predicament in one league where I did exactly as you described, right? So I had, it was a two QB league. Uh, I went like quarterback for a probably bad reason and, and it has not worked out very well for me. But anyways, I've have Sam Darnold as one quarterback. And then my other two quarterbacks right now are Justin Fields and Trey Lance. And I was debating back and forth of who to start this week and who to start this weekend. I ended up starting Trey Lance and I'm very, very thankful I did. And, and the reasoning for me starting him over Justin Fields is I thought there was a more inherent rushing floor. you know, they haven't run Justin Fields and sure enough, Trey Lance goes out there. He runs the ball, whatever it is, 16, 17 times, puts up 90 yards on the ground. Didn't do too much in the air, but neither did Justin Fields. And I'm much better for it. I'd rather have the 15 point fantasy performance from Trey Lance than the whatever it is, eight points from Justin Fields. Um, so, you know, I, I do think Trey Lance is in an offense that's going to embrace him as a runner and have designed runs. They've actually, I, I don't know how much you watched the 49ers game this weekend, but they actually changed their offense quite a bit for Trey Lance. And I think you're going to continue to do that. Um, and one of the things they, they changed is they're not running as much zone run. They're running gap and power plays, which is really good for Elijah Mitchell. And that's what we oh. saw this past weekend, right? Oh, baby. Um, well, it also helps that he actually just, you know, touches the ball like Tracer. Well, because they're running his scheme, man. They're designing the offense. If that's what they're doing with his offense, that's great news for Elijah Mitchell um, because where he's excelled, you know, and, and he looked fine on Sunday. I, you know, nothing super great to report home. But like you said, he touched the ball. How did um, Trey? How did Trey Sturman look on his one carry? Trey Sermon had one carry, uh, <laughs> great seven yards on that carry. Um, did you see the carry by chance? I I didn't. No, I'm sure it was nothing impressive. I'll, anyway, I'll, I'll I'll send it to you. It was it, it. I don't even know what they were doing. It was a but it was a blink and you miss it sort of moment. You know, so I it, it was an out. It was an. <laughs> It was an outside zone and at like not even one second after the snap, there were four defenders in the backfield and he is able to get the corner and get seven yards on him. So he, it was a good seven yard carry, um, but clearly they designed the game plan to feature quote unquote feature Elijah Mitchell. Uh, but really they were trying to feature Trey Lance. Um, and it was a weird game because it was a game I was expecting to, to be a, a sprint. You know, I was expecting 40 points from each team and we didn't get that from Arizona, didn't get that from the 49ers. And so I don't know, you know, maybe similar to Chicago, Kyle Shanahan and the 49ers are looking at Trey Lance and saying, how can we keep you contained, keep you controlled, and we'll win these, you know, low scoring games. But it was interesting how they used him and, and how they used Elijah. Uh, yeah, sure was, sure was. Sure was interesting. I would call it genius. I'd call it <laughs> smart. I'd call it using the more talented player. Did, um, did you start Elijah Moore anywhere? You're, you're Elijah, Mitchell? Elijah Moore. Elijah Mitchell. No, <laughs> sorry, um, I no, don't want to. No, but this, but yeah, but this week I am. This week I am. I have the the balls this week. Um, it's just the injury. I wasn't sure how it play out. How much he touched the ball coming back was my concern. So I didn't start him anywhere. But this week. Oh baby, oh baby, I'm gonna make you dance. But yeah, it's gonna be Elijah and Jonathan Taylor, right? That'll be a sight for sore eyes. Uh, um, when that's I'm a, winning, that's my a Sunday night game too. Yeah, it's uh, it's really it's what I, I I live for to watch 
Carson Wentz and rookie Trey Lance. Uh, now, um, speaking of Carson Wentz, I didn't even think it was possible for him to throw 400 yards. I don't know if that's I what you said that, in the but, beginning, but yeah, I, was... I can't believe it. I can't believe that that was that's possible. They they are so stupid. They are oh, and what are they now five? And they are going to roll out Carson Wentz, knowing that that second they traded turns into a first when all the they're they're not going anywhere. Stop playing him. <laughs> it's it it is crazy right like i i don't know what they're doing and right now if you look at you know if the draft was tomorrow the philadelphia eagles would have three top 10 picks which yeah. i mean we'll see how it happens with jalen hurts but i mean they're in a good spot either way you know either he pukes all over himself and they get a new quarterback or they're able to build around him and turn it into something good in his final two years as a rookie contract so there are people uh, right now talking shit about Howie Roseman and like the Philadelphia Eagle fans don't I'm like how do you not like him the guy brought you a Super Bowl he just traded away Carson Wentz who was cooked drafted a starting quality quarterback in the second has three first round picks made the intelligent decision to draft Devonta Smith like yeah Jalen Rager so far hasn't worked out but he's your number two you have Dallas Goddard and Zach Ertz you know injuries happen so the the line has been hurt by injuries but yeah I, I I'm not it's baffling to me that people shit on Howie Roseman. I'm like, the guy is very smart, clearly knows what he's doing. Dude, if there's one thing I've learned from kind of marrying into a Philadelphia Eagles family and living close to the city of Philadelphia, <laughs> they just don't know how to be happy, man. Like they, they just, it, it, you know, they win the Super Bowl and they're complaining about, you know, the, the contractor, the financial management for their offensive line resigning. And it's just like, guys, you know, just soak it in. You know, you, it could be worse. You, yeah, you could be a Lions or Bears fan. Have you <laughs> yeah. have you have you seen the video of the Eagles fan after they won the Super Bowl eating horse shit? Yes, yes. That those are Philadelphia Eagles fans. There's no Dude. fan base on the face of this earth that and there was a crowd. It wasn't just there was a crowd around him cheering him on. There were people supporting this guy eat horse shit. Did you After, see what happened uh, this past weekend? So, so the Eagles they they won in a comeback, right? Kind of last second win, which is great for them. Uh, there was a guy who called into the sports radio, I guess, yesterday, and, and said I had yelled so much my TV that I passed out. I woke up in the <laughs> hospital, and that's how I found out that the Eagles won. And and I just got to the only thing I gotta say to that dude is like, you know, find better outlets for that. Like NFL football should not be that outlet for you where you need to be screaming and yelling like that. Yeah, um, dude, eat horseshit, <laughs> take it out. Exactly. Um, exactly. All right. So uh, sorry, I, I I just realized what time it is. Getting getting kicked off here by the misses. I got right. one thing left, um, and sadly it's not our tweet of the week, but. Rest rest of season, I'll give you a second. Rest of season, pick one player you're buying. Oh, man. You go first. Okay. I'm between two, but I'm going to go rest of season. I am buying Stefan Diggs. I know we talked about him at the top of the show, oh, but okay. the offense is there. It's built. It's built to last. All there needs to do is just have some of those targets go his way. All it needs to do is draw some more attention away with Dawson Knox and Emmanuel Sanders performing. They're passing so much, and it's not like the, Josh Allen is running it in all the time uh, anymore like he did last year when he had, like I think he had seven or eight rushing touchdowns. So 
Stefan Diggs, we mentioned him at the top of the show. My other one would have been AJ Brown, but I'm going to pass on that for now and just go Stefan Diggs. All right. Yeah. Well, we we talked about it earlier. You know, I I've got him on a couple of teams, so I hope he turns it around because I don't have the balls to bench him. But it's it's tough kind of seeing that level of draft investment put up. You know, eight points a week. Um, I also like AJ Brown. I think he's a great target. I was, I actually had the thought of sending something your way. Cause I know he's on a couple of your teams. And then I was like, nope, this is going to be a quick decline. So, um, I didn't, but, um, I, I think those are good values. If I look at kind of the list right now on where people are, I'll tell you the two that keep coming up as I look at teams. Um, one is David Montgomery. And, and and maybe this is silly of me to do because I'm not too up to date on kind of the specifics of his injury, but he looked really, really good before he went down. And so if I can get him, you know, pennies on the dollar from from a team, whether it be redraft or dynasty, that could be interesting. Um, the other that I'm maybe a little bit more serious on and kind of has sent a couple offers around on is um, Keenan Allen. Um, he's currently wide receiver 24. Um, I want as much of that Chargers offense as I can get right now. And I think he's undervalued. He's or at least he's underperformed for where he should be valued. And personally watching a couple of those Chargers games, I've seen Keenan Allen touchdowns get called back because of penalty. And so I'm banking on that wide receiver 24 where he currently sits quickly turning into a top 15 wide receiver um, as things kind of stabilize here. So he's probably my buy on the wide receiver side. I like both those calls. Um, I guess the last one would be debt for me, Dalvin cook. Uh, I, he's not someone who I think you want to start immediately, but the workload is always there for whatever reason. Mike Zimmer doesn't believe that there's another running back once cook is healthy, uh, despite yeah. Madison playing well. So I, I think he is someone else who I would be buying because there's you can make the argument, right? Oh, Madison's showing out. It'll be more of a split. 90% of their touchdowns have come from passing. Uh, you, you can make the argument like, you know, that defense isn't very good. It'll be still remain pass heavy no matter what. So yeah, so I, I'm, I'm of the mindset though, and the ankle sprain, it's an injury, right? Like it's, it's a ser- it's one that really lingers for Rimbex, but that's my point is, yeah, I, I want to buy that. I want that guy because I think that there is a narrative that isn't going to come to fruition that indicates that he may not perform well. Yeah, I think that's a, a good one. And then the, the the one I'll pull out of my ass at the end here too is Chase Claypool. Like he's wide receiver 32 right now. Juju's out for the season. I don't know if that's come out yet, but he's out for the foreseeable future with his shoulder injury. Chase Claypool is going to be playing more and more out of the slot, which is where he really dominated last year. And I, I think his 150 yards and touchdown that we saw this week is probably going to be not the norm, but be occurring more and more likely than it has these first couple of weeks of the season. Chase Claypool is a great one. I, I didn't hear that news and I totally slipped my mind, but that is a fan. T- that is probably the best one on here. Honestly, is Chase Claypool. He's someone that you can buy in a redraft league still. And there is without question, opportunity for him he's an absolute freak of nature uh and maple tron working close to the line is going to make things easier for ben to target him because he can't throw it far anymore so right uh yeah i, I think it's a great one it's probably the best one on the show we could probably end there the, the, i said everyone Walk off, happy. baby. <laughs> <laughs> all right well it, it was it was great hanging out with you dax as always um it, for people that have questions or you guys want to you know follow us do whatever you want um we're on twitter at uh, greg and dax pod um, you can send an email to us, gregindexpod at gmail.com. Um, I'm on Twitter at Greg Dobbs. I'm 
Dakota, send him a carrier pigeon, smoke signals. <laughs> he stays off the internet. He hates it. He's Amish. Um, anything else? Nope. Have a good one, folks. All right. Take it easy, man.